Jessica Tandy and Hume Cronin in The Marriage. With the conviction that marriage remains the most popular domestic arrangement between friendly people, NBC takes pleasure in presenting one of the most distinguished couples of the American theater, Jessica Tandy and Hume Cronin as Liz and Ben Marriott, bringing you the love and laughter of the marriage. When Liz and I were first married, New Year's Eve was the excuse for all-night escapades straight out of Scott Fitzgerald. Well, we never actually went swimming in the fountain at the plaza, but we did once catch a fish in Central Park Lake and cook it over an open fire for breakfast. But then, when the children came along, a late New Year's Eve meant a ghastly New Year's Day, and we didn't catch up on our sleep until St. Patrick's Day. Somehow, over the years, our enthusiasm for an annual orgy has diminished. And so this year, the 31st of December, found us sitting quietly in the living room serving cake and coffee to Liz's cousin Mildred, who was down from Vermont with her intended, presumably for approval. So you two are getting married. <laughs> I, uh, yes, we are. Well, now, are you staying long in New York? We came into New York for vacation so that Walter can rest after Christmas. He's a mailman. Letter carrier. Letter carrier. I guess you do need a rest after Christmas. Yeah. He has to wear special arches. Metatarsal. I'm sorry. Oh, that's all right. You didn't know. Oh, uh, well. When did all this happen, Mildred? It hasn't happened yet. <laughs> I mean, the wedding. <laughs> uh, have you known each other long? Well, Walter was my male uh, letter carrier. Yeah, she didn't notice me till the duck bit me. A duck bit you? No. Neighbor's duck. Oh. It's a nasty-tempered animal. They ate it for Christmas. Well, I'll bet that made you feel better, Walter. Well, I don't hold a grudge. Well, I treated Walter with alcohol. Uh, denatured. Mm, on my ankle. <laughs> and then I started sort of waiting for him every morning. Some days there wouldn't be any mail, and he'd pass right by... I'd feel blue all day. Isn't that sweet? Well, finally I started clipping coupons out of magazines to send away for free catalogs. Tried to fool myself into thinking that I wanted them. But one day when I got four copies of the Wholesale Plumber's Small Parts Compendium... Why, then you just had to admit that you wanted to see Walter. <laughs> Kept me busy in the spring, bringing the flowers. The mailman delivering flowers? That must have been colorful. Well, I'm not very. Free seed offers. Come in brown paper envelopes. Oh. Then Walter left me a poem in the mailbox with the Sears Roebuck Midwinter Sale Supplement. <laughs> Liz, he underlined the Better Brides Ensemble. Oh, well. Now, Walter, wasn't that tampering with the United States mail? Well, I took that chance. And yeah. now you're getting married. Well. <clears throat> Ten twenty, Millie. Oh, uh, Liz. You wouldn't think we were awful if we ran along now, would you? Of course not. Now, we're going to Times Square to watch the people. Midnight. We saw it on television last year. And then we thought we'd walk past the main post office on 34th Street. Hey, I've always wanted to see that. Neither snow, nor rain, nor heat, nor gloom of night shall stay these couriers from the swift completion of their appointed rounds. It doesn't mention ducks, does it? Well, they... They could sort of be covered by gloom of night. <laughs> <laughs> Happy New Year, everybody. 
Ben. Hmm? They are sweet, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Ben. What? Oh, sorry. What are you reading, darling? Hemingway. On New Year's Eve? You know, it's very alcoholic. I imagine it's healthier getting it vicariously. It is nice just sitting here reading. Hey, what have you got there? Um, you won't laugh. Why should I? Cyrano de Bergerac. Every time I read it, I cry. I begin to feel compulsively masculine reading Hemingway. Makes me want to smoke a pipe. Well, why don't you? I get sick. Ben, wasn't that charming? The way Mildred and Walter met. Sounded like two contestants on a Groucho Marx program. Oh, it must be nice meeting romantically. Well, I wouldn't call a duck bite exactly romantic. Oh, you know what I mean. Take the way we met. I don't think you even remember. Of course I do. New Year's Eve, uh, 1935. <laughs> Say... This is an anniversary. It was a party at Ken Forsyth, somewhere in the village. On 12th Street. What did you think of me uh, when you first saw me? Oh, I... I had some wild, lascivious thoughts. Seriously? Oh, I don't know, Liz. I... You were having an argument with that big goon, um, Harry, somebody or other. Harry Hazelcorn? He wasn't a goon. You told him to go away, and he did. With that blonde in the knitted dress from New Jersey. I bet you don't remember what I was wearing. Well, that's because you weren't a knitted blonde, dear. That's what I mean. It wasn't particularly romantic, not on the face of it. Just an ordinary New Year's party. And you didn't have a date, and my date had too much too early and passed out. It was really ordinary, wasn't it? Yes, yes. I guess it was very ordinary. Say, do you want to read? <laughs> All right, then. I won't bother you anymore. Read your Hemingway. Daydreaming. Ah. Always trying to improve on reality, to sugarcoat it. Man and a woman meet at a New Year's party, that's all. Why not leave it that way? Why build up a whole fantasy? The way it might have been. It wasn't. Well, it certainly wasn't Hemingway. It was just a simple New Year's party in a Greenwich Village brownstone. That's all. Happy New Year! I came into the room. I stopped. It was a dark and smoldering room. I could feel the animal heat. I could remember the same bitter taste of fear in my mouth, the same smell of fear when I ran from that charging bull elephant. But it wasn't elephant now. It was a party. I hated it. A man has to do things he hates. It's part of being a man. I lit my pipe. It's a good pipe. It draws true. It smokes good and honest. I saw the girl across the room. She was tall. She stood there, shining, half-child, half-fallen angel. She was angry. I remember that look. The look of a charging rhino. I remember the time I ran away, the time the native bearers looked away from me when I came into camp. I had to stay there, at that party. It was a challenge now. I stood there and smoked my pipe. It was still a good pipe, but it didn't burn. There was no tobacco. Do you need something? Yeah. Tobacco. Try this. Is it good tobacco? 
It stinks. Good. You always carry tobacco? Only sometimes. There's always the chance that some man will come along with an empty pipe. You're a real woman. I knew it the moment I set eyes on you. You were angry. Could you tell? Your shoulders were angry. Your eyes were flashing. The flash of a bull before the final charge. You've seen it? <laughs> I was a picador in Guadalajara. I was in love with a matador in Seville. He died. He became old and slow. And then one day... <sighs> I know. I have his cloak. Do you like it? It's a good cloak. Moth-eaten. It happens. The moths come. You get old. They're too fast for you. Yes, yes. I must go now. Why? Harry. Oh. He wouldn't understand. Forget him. I can't. I shall always think of you. If you want anything, just whistle. I saw him across the room. He was fat and red-faced like an angry sea lion. It was a test. I knew that. I couldn't turn and run again. Suddenly, he spoke. Hiya, fella. I'm Harry Hazelcorn. Have I ever met you? I understood. He was saying, are you a man? Truly? Yeah, I think we have met somewhere. He knew. He knew about the shark that chased me screaming up the Hudson River as far as Poughkeepsie. Nice party, isn't it? Harry, I want to go home. Well, why? We just got here. I want to go home. I can't stand it here. It happened. What happened? What's the matter with you? It's very sad. Huh? Take me home. I must go home to Capri. Capri? You crazy? You live in Washington Heights and you know it. Campanero, a word of advice. Take her home. Who asked you? Who is this guy? Liz, is this one of those screwball actors? I love him. You what? I love him. I hate him, but I also love him. Look, are you ribbing me? Go away. Now cut it out. You're a fool. You want to come outside and say that? If it has to be. Okay. Okay, come on. You stay here, Liz. I'll come. He may die. Happy Do not send to know for whom the bell tolls. It tolls for me. I had to face it now. I remembered the enraged charge of the Lexington Avenue Express at rush hour. But now, now a strange exultation overwhelmed me. Courage. I was a man. I smoke a pipe. I shave every day. I knew I must be a man. Okay, wise guy. Put him up. All right, Campanero, you asked for it. He's down. I know. It was a glad feeling, a good feeling. I hit him true and square. Kill him. No, no, I don't have to. Now, daughter, I'll kiss you. Good and true. What happened? The earth moved. You ain't kidding, Jack. They're blasting for the 6th Avenue subway. are you thinking about? Nothing. Still reading Hemingway? Mm, yeah. You haven't turned a page for ten minutes. You've been daydreaming. Have not. Want another cup of coffee? No, no thanks. I'll wash the cup. Huh. Walter took five teaspoons of sugar and here they are at the bottom of the cup. He didn't stir it. Maybe he doesn't like his coffee sweet. 
Don't fall asleep in the chair, dear. No, I won't. Uh, you want me to dry? No, never mind. I finished Cyrano. I have loved but one man in my life, and I have lost him twice. That's a lovely line. Bittersweet. It wasn't bittersweet the night we met. It wasn't at all, Cyrano. It was just a simple New Year's party in a Greenwich Village brownstone. That's all. The whole of the city was there. The intellectuals, the poets, the advertising men, and all waiting for the hour of midnight. And then I saw him across the room. He was surrounded by a laughing crowd, drawn by his famous wit and humor. And yet, I could tell he was alone. Your attention wanders, Elizabeth. Tell me, Harry, that man there, who is he? I would have thought you might know his name. The whole city shouts his exploits. He's swordsman, poet, philosopher, musician, lawyer. All that? He looks so... so plain a man. Ah, yes, he is plain. Uh, they whisper of him in the wine shops. Never has anyone been so undistinguished. No feature rises above the ordinary. No great nose, no staring eyes, no bristly moustache. He's the very peak of plainness, the quintessence of the ordinary. All this, they say, behind his back... For no man dares to brave his quick displeasure. Is he then so dangerous? Lady, he is the fiercest swordsman in all of Greenwich Village. And does he quarrel often? Only upon the one provocation, his appearance. A man approached him once upon the avenue and clapping pencil upon tablet spoke him thus. Sir, a question. You do appear to me an average man. He got no further. Coattails flying, he was pursued pell-mell through the streets until finding sanctuary in a cafeteria, he gained him peace at last. And yet... For all the undistinguished countenance, he does appear to nurse some secret sorrow, as if beneath the mask there hides a soul that burns a fire in the driving wind. His name, tell me. Men call him Ben. Ben Marriott. I came at last upon a balcony. And there beneath flowed the winking lights of double-decker buses on Fifth Avenue. And then, in the night, heavy with heady perfume of exhaust fumes, I heard a voice. Elizabeth? Who's there? Nay, ask not who is here. Let me in this friendly darkness speak to a woman unseen. Are you then afraid of me? Yes, yes, I'm afraid. I'm afraid that you should laugh. Why then should I? Because you're a woman. And is my sex then prone to laughter unprovoked? Were it but unprovoked, how have I longed to meet a woman who might gaze on me with... with... Come, say it. With love. Nay, I go too far. I do presume upon the darkness. Are you then disfigured, ugly, grotesque? Alas, no. Not one scar... One twist of countenance. Not one. 
Sometimes I dream that I, too, might be a lover, that I might have a visage such as maids admire. I lose myself in dreams of a cleft chin, a craggy profile, a nose. Oh, heaven would that I had such a nose. But then I see myself in the glass, an electric shaver poised in hand, a face, a nothing. Not a word to describe it, not a flaw, not a wrinkle for a maid to pin her heart on. You must forgive me. Oh, no. Here in the darkness, I feel only your soul. My soul. Speak, Ben Marriott. Do not fear, speak. Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Yes, ah, yes. I ask one thing. Yes, yes. I ask one thing, and that is that... Aha! Ah. I find you on the balcony, alone. Nay, not alone. Harry, Harry, I beg you, it was nothing. Alone in the dark. With who? Whom? Who? Sir, do you doubt my grammar? Sir, do you doubt mine? You've insulted me, sir. I demand satisfaction. That voice. Shall we then stand on ceremony, or shall honor be satisfied now? A light, a light. No, no, pray let no blood be spilled this night. It is the eve of the new year. A light. Ben Marriott. I could ne'er mistake that face. Yet call that a face. It is a blotch, an emptiness, a nothing. You, sir, are quite ordinary. I would have spared you till you spoke that word. On guard! So be it. <coughs> Lawyer. Very well, then. Lawyer. Sirrah, I shall compose a will for you as we fight. Then, as I reach the last codicil, thrust home. <gasps> now then, on guard! <laughs> I, Harry Hazelcorn, being of sound mind and body, do hereby publish this my last will and testament. And on before. And yet, I... from the start, I knew that Ben Marriott was the master. I... He toyed with Harry as a cat with a tin I... mouse that sells upon the subway platform for about a dollar ninety-eight. And as the swords I... rang out, he composed extempore. And at length, he spoke these words. Codicil, to my faithful cleaning woman, Mrs. Clancy. Fight! Uh, Fight, you pettifogging Philadelphia shyster! I leave whatever clean laundry may be returned to my estate... That ends my last will and testament. No. Oh. May heaven have mercy on his soul. Ben Marriott. Milady. See on your face. His blade is carved a scar. No longer can men say that face is ordinary. Ah, Elizabeth. My darling. Before he interrupted us, you were asking something, a favor, I believe. Ah, yes. If you could but grant it. One boon. And that is? A kiss. Come, Ben Marriott. That boon is yours. Liz. Ben, what's the idea? 
I've been watching you. You've been washing the same cup for four minutes. Well, it's gone now. What were you thinking about, darling? Oh, nothing. Just just thinking. About us? Uh-huh. Hmm. Ben. Come here, darling. You want me to dry? No, just come here. Oh. Oh. You know, the way we met was quite romantic, really. I mean, well, retroactively. Huh? Not the details. Hundreds of men and women meet that way, and nothing happens. Something did happen with us. Seventeen years of being together. Mm, not to mention Emily and Pete. Darling, what are you waiting for? <laughs> I will kiss you, daughter. Hard and true. <laughs> oh, Ben. Ben. Ben, look out. Don't bend me back like Ben. Oh. What's the matter? My back. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Here. Here, let me. No, no. Rub it. Here? No, higher up. Oh, oh why did you do that? Well, I kissed you hard and true. I'll need the heating pad tonight. Maybe a hot bath will do it. I think we'd better be a little less athletic while kissing. Oh. There's, listen. There it is. <laughs> Happy New Year, darling. Shall we try a gentler kiss? You remember that first night? That was our first kiss. Weren't we lucky to have New Year's as an excuse? Hmm. We have it now. Easy, Ben, easy. <laughs> Happy New Year, darling. Happy New Year. Ben and Liz Marriott will be back in just a moment. In the meantime, let us extend an invitation to all of you to drop by next week at this time for another half-hour observation and transcription of The Marriage, written by Ernest Canoy. The NBC Radio Network offers its congratulations to two members of the family, Miss Tandy and Mr. Cronin, on their fine performance in Sidney Howard's comedy, Madam Will You Walk, playing now in New York at the Phoenix Theater. In tonight's cast of The Marriage, the part of Harry Hazelcorn, played by Alexander Scorby. Walter is Phil Coolidge. Mildred, Pat Hosley. The Marriage is an NBC Radio Network production directed by Edward King. This is Bob Denton speaking. Ben? Hmm? I meant to ask a question. Um, Harry was drinking orange soda at that party. How did he happen to pass out? He didn't. He left. He got a message his mother was dying. Well, I saw her the next week. She was perfectly... <laughs> ben? <laughs> Did you? Happy New Year, darling. Happy New Year.
Enjoy NBC Star Playhouse tonight on the NBC Radio Network. Mm-hmm.